Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. Hebrews chapter number 11. We're still in Hebrews. I don't know when we're going to get out, but we're in it. And uh, last week we only got through one verse. I'm happy to report today we get to get through three more verses. <laughs> Hebrews chapter number 11, starting at the eighth verse, here's what it says. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God, obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land, God promised him he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. So good. If you're taking notes, the title of this message is Leave, Go, Live. Leave, go, live. Would you say that with me? Leave, go, live. Again, a little bit louder. Leave, go, live. One more time. Real, real loud. Leave, go, live. It's good. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word. Holy Spirit, help us to leave, go, and live. Amen. At the very foundation of our faith walk with God, he gave us an example in a man named Abram. A man who uh, really has no um, significance or importance outside of God choosing to come into a relational covenant with him. What's amazing about the story of Abram is that God takes a man and goes into covenant with that man, gives a promise to that man that we are all recipients of today. It was not anything that he did on his own that made this happen. It started with God. It was sustained by God. And it ended with God. This was not because he was wealthy. This was not because he was smart. This was not because he had a great education. This was not because of what zip code he lived in. This was not because of any personal affluence or affluence he attained. He was a regular man living his life the best way he knew how until God decided to interrupt his life by going into a covenant with him. Let me just pause and say that that I love the fact that God will interrupt me. Is there anybody else besides me that's happy that you got interrupted 
in your life to come into a relationship with God. What's interesting to me is that there are ingredients in uh, Abraham's life that are at the foundation of every believer's life. There are things that Abraham did in coming into a relationship with God that every single believer must do when we come into a relationship with God. They formulate my three points, and we're going to go over those right now. So if you're taking notes, all my nerds take notes. Why? Nerds rule the world. world. I want to give you the three points that make up the ingredients of our faith that we found in Abraham and is found in our life as well. Point number one, please write this down. We leave by faith. We leave by faith. Here's what it says in uh, Genesis 12 and one. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Let me just stop right there. This this is how all faith moves start. They start with leaving. They don't start with going. You got to get the order right. They start with leaving. God has a requirement that you're going to leave something before you even start going anywhere. And let me tell you how he tells them to leave. It's disruptive. It's not casual. Hey, I want you to move from Richardson to Grand Prairie. Just want a relocation for you. No, it, it is it is absolutely unequivocally disruptive. I want you to leave your native country. <laughs> I want you to leave all your relatives, your father's family. And I want you to go to a place that you don't even know about it. Just just leave. And this is what it says in verses four through six, how he goes. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Let me stop right there. This is this is proof positive. This goes against all of the Barna research that if if, if somebody doesn't give their life to Christ by the time they're 20, they're a lost cause. God starts the faith movement with somebody who's 75 years old, who's supposed to be set in his ways. The old adage that we're not supposed to be able to teach an old dog. God starts with an old man and says, I'm going to start with somebody who is set in their ways in the what seemed to be the winter of their life. And I'm going to cause them to come into a relationship with me so that everybody else knows you have no excuse. (laughs) I don't care how long you've been in what you've been in. You can change. I don't care how long you've been uh, 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 culturally ingrained into uh, uh, whatever family system or thinking pattern, you can change. I don't care how, how long you've been in a certain identity or a certain paradigm of thought, you can change. If this man who is 75 years old can change, you can change. But you don't understand, I've been like this a whole lot. I've been like this all my life. you 22. Stop yourself. 
Abraham changed. He, he, he took everything. Took his nephew Lot. Took his wife Sarai. All of his wealth, his livestock and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran. And he headed for the land of Canaan. When they arrived in Canaan, Abraham traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up a camp beside the Oak of Moray. At that time, the area was inhabited by Canaanites. We have to have faith to leave. And listen, it takes faith to leave. Because when you're used to familiarity, when you're used to comfort, it takes faith to move and forget everything you know culturally. Everything you know and who you know relationally. And then everything related to your identity, your father's family, and just move away. Well, well, who will I be? You'll find out. When? Not now. Just leave. But what if they ask me questions? Tell them you're leaving. But then they're going to ask me, where are we going? You don't know yet. You can only tell them what you know. And right now, leave. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a great strategic plan. Any, any st- strategists in the room, you're strategic. You have like a, a year calendar. Like you plan to go to, you, you know, uh, uh, Cozumel, Mexico, 18 months. And you're like, then we're going to save here. Then we're going to do that. We're going to live on a budget here. And then by the time we have this money and we're going to go to Mexico. Right? Here's God. Leave. Where are we going? I like to plan. Leave. And leave everything. Not some things, everything. Change your number. Forget the identity that you've been attached to because I'm doing something new in you. And you won't get it accomplished here. This is what happens when we come into our salvation experience. You come into a relationship with God. You give your life to Christ. Here's what he says. Leave. Leave everything that you've been accustomed to before you came into your relationship with me. Just leave. That was my testimony. I gave my life to Christ January 14 of 1996 uh, in my parents' church, God's Way Holiness Fellowship. I'm sitting in the back of the church writing raps. Kind of giggling at the people that speak in tongues, waiting for the service to be over so that uh, my brother and my friend Stephen can pick me up so we can go down to Venice Beach because that was our weekend. Sunday, Venice Beach until about five or six. After that, Roscoe's or M&M's. After that, we cruised Crenshaw to about 2 a.m. Wash, rinse, repeat. That's what we did. Until January 14th of 1996, January 14th of 1996, the Holy Spirit tells me I'm a sinner. There is no condemnation in the statement. It's a matter of fact. The same way this shirt just says, yeah, and all of y'all trying to figure out what does it mean? Your shirt just says, yeah. What is that about? He just said, you're a sinner. And it was the first time I realized that I had... uh, uh, um, that I didn't have a relationship with God 
And I, I, can feel the, I can feel the disconnection. And I just began to weep. I wept all the way through praise and worship. And I knew that uh, I was going to have to wait till the altar call to give my life to Christ. And I couldn't wait. So we had testimony service in our church. Anybody know about testimony service? Okay, some people know. We had testimony service in our church at the time. My daddy uh, was up officiating, facilitating the testimony service, and I stood up during testimony service. There was five people in front of me. They felt, they probably weren't, but they felt very long-winded to me. (laughs) And and I was was in the, I'm all the way in the back, and, and I'm sitting there, and uh, uh, have you ever seen the old cartoons where it's an angel on one side and a demon on another, a little devil on the other side, and they're both in your ear? I didn't have an angel or a demon. I just had two demons. There was no angels nowhere. It was just two demons. Don't do this today. You don't want to do this today. You're not ready to give all this up. You're not ready to change. You don't want to do this today. And I just kept standing. And finally, my dad looked in the back and he said, I think Tim has something to say, which was a shock because I never played church. My parents on the front row, they can tell you, I never tried to act like I was something I wasn't. And so I'm 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 standing there and my dad says, I think Tim has something to say. And I didn't know what to say. So I just said, I give up. And everybody was like, "Okay, I'm not sure that's a testimony, but. uh, (laughs) Give up what? And I said, I have to get saved right now. And everybody just started rejoicing. I started crying. My mama let out the biggest hallelujah of all time. Hallelujah! <laughs> My mother has two surgically repaired knees as a direct, direct result of praying on them. A lot of that was for me. And I gave my life to Christ that day. I came down. I gave my life to him. And uh, uh, like clockwork, as soon as the service was over, my brother and Stephen came to pick me up to go to Venice Beach. I walked in. They walked in. I was like, hey, man, how you doing? And my brother and I were 17 months apart. And so we're very, very close. And so he looked at me. And after he gave me a hug, he looked at my eyes. He was like, oh, man. <laughs> he was like, oh, dude. He was like, you didn't. Steven's sitting there clueless. Did, what, what happened? He was like, you gave your life to Jesus, didn't you? And I was like, yes, I did. And he was like, I respect that. You know what I'm saying? I respect that. I respect that. They both gave me a hug. They got in a car. And they went to Venice Beach. And I got in a car with my mom and dad. And we drove home. And in 24 hours... My best friends were my mama and my daddy, my Bible and my PlayStation. That's why you can't take my games away from me now. That's all I had when I met Jesus. I just left. The, the, the friendships didn't end because uh, uh, they, they were mad that I was a believer. They were respecting my decision and they gave me distance. But I had made a choice that day that there wasn't going to be a gradual change out. I'll take a lamp out when I move. But then I'll come back and get the chair. And in three weeks, I'll come and get the table. No, no, I left. Everything that I knew right then and there, and that's the requirement 
at salvation is that you leave. Not a little bit. All of it. We're out. Well, you don't understand. I have relationships and I've known them since I was two. God's like, that's great. Leave. And I'm really drilling this in because this is the foundation of how we get to wherever we're going in faith. We have to leave somewhere before we're going somewhere, which leads us to point number two. Please write this down. Point number two is go by faith. We leave by faith and we actually go by faith. Here's here's what it says in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number eight. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. This last sentence is everything. He went without knowing where he was going. Here's here's the line I want you to write down. God requires me to go to what I don't know. That's why it's a faith move, because you're actually going somewhere that you don't even know about. Most people don't call that going. Most people call that loss. Most people call that 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 aspect um, uh, wandering. But when it's done by faith, you're actually going somewhere. But where are you going? I don't know. I, I remember I had a particular transition in my life and uh, they asked me the question. Well, well, where where are you going? I said, I don't know. But here's what I feel like the Lord told me. He told me he wouldn't talk to me about what's next until I left what's now. need to write that statement down. God will not talk to me about what's next until I leave what's now. Abraham wasn't going until he was done leaving. <laughs> what does that look like? Somewhere in between you packing up and actually leaving, you're, you're, you stop leaving and you start going. I've left enough behind now that I'm not turning back. And the moment you're not turning back or looking back, you're going somewhere now. As long as you're still longing for what was in the past, you're still leaving. Trying to help somebody. The moment you reckon what is behind you is dead. Now you're going somewhere. The moment you realize that old life is done, I'm never going back to it. There's no way you can get me back over there. I am now going wherever God wants me to go. I don't even know where it is yet, but I'm going there. Now you're going somewhere. And going is something by faith that we have to do even when it looks crazy. Now, I've been talking to a lot of people that are in this season right now. And one of the things that, that, that a lot of people feel uh, 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 bad about or they feel like uh, they don't have enough faith uh, uh, in is 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 that they feel nervous. They feel afraid. They, they, they feel some trepidation. Anybody God ever told you to do something and you felt nervous about it. OK, that just means you're human. God's not judging you for actually uh, uh, having some type of anxiety about what do you want me to do? You want me to move to Boston? In the winter? 
can I wait till the summer? Let me, show you, let me show you something about faith moves. We always talk about taking steps of faith. And um, uh, some people, well, uh, yeah, let me just say some. If I say many, that might be too judgmental. Some people embellish their faith moves based on revisionist history. Like after it's all worked out and God did everything, the way they recount the story is with more confidence than they had while they were walking through the story. And so you watch the TBN soundbite of it and you start thinking to yourself, I need faith like that. Except they didn't have faith like that when they was going through it. So the way the revisionist history story goes is God told me to take a step of faith and I took it. And everybody's like, oh, take it. Everybody's emotional. <laughs> I need to take a step of faith. And, and we take a giant step of faith. And, da, 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 da. And, and that sounds really good after you've already done it and God's proven himself. But let, let me tell you how it looks nine times out of ten while you're really walking it out. That step ain't this big. That step usually is like this. Now, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, I, want you to, I want you to think about heaven as, a, as like, a, um, like, like, a, like a drone camera looking down on people taking steps of faith, okay? God, all the way up here, looking all the way down here. And, and one person takes their step of faith like this, right? And we celebrate that. Oh, that was such a giant step. And then somebody else took their faith step like this. From heaven's perspective, both of y'all just took a step. Listen, God is not measuring the stride of the step. He is measuring the obedience of your step. And whether you take a large step or a baby step, it is a step. I remember when my child took their first step. There was a party in our house. His second step, he fell. But the party was over the first step. Baby steps count in the kingdom. And so God's not asking you to, to make this big quantum leap of a step by faith. If you don't feel like that, he's asking you to be obedient to what he told you to do. The moment Abraham took one step towards God's promise, God said, I'm with you. I won't let anything come against you because you are moving in the direction that I've told you to go. You are now going somewhere. We go by faith. Where is God telling you to go? Where is God telling you to go? I don't know. That should be the answer. Good. But are you going though? Or are you still leaving? You have to leave enough behind to start going in the direction that he is telling you to go. 18 months after uh, my uh, salvation, I was supposed to come to uh, Texas for 30 days. I had planned the trip because I'm a planner. And the Ross family reunion, because our entire uh, 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 family tree emanates from East Texas. So I had never been to a family reunion back in Texas. Uh, my dad was born and raised in Dallas. I had never been. And so I was going to come out for a month. 
uh, and there was a conference going on. Uh, and I was, so I was going to attend that conference and I was going to um, uh, attend the family reunion. Then I was going to come back to California. And two days before I left, the Holy Spirit told me to buy a one-way ticket to Dallas. It was the first time I heard the audible voice of the Lord. And I shared it with my parents. And I said, uh, and I went to them as pastors, not, not my parents. As, as, um, uh, as, as parents, I was of age. I, I could make any decision I want to. They would have been fine with it. But because they were my pastors, I submitted to them that I felt like God was telling me to go to Dallas. And they looked at each other. They looked at me and they just said, baby, we've been babysitting you for 20 years. You don't belong to us. You belong to God. And if God's telling you to go to Dallas, we don't want no curse on this house. <laughs> if he's telling you to go, you need to go. And they gave me uh, money. They raised some money for me at church, $400. They bought me a one-way Greyhound bus ticket. It wasn't glamorous. <laughs> and I packed up three suitcases. I had $400 to my name. I got on a Greyhound bus and spent two and a half days getting to Dallas. Somewhere in between that bus ride, I was no longer leaving California. I was going to the promise that God had for me. I did not know Embassy City was on the inside of me. I did not know that my wife was waiting on me. I did not know the covenant and the promises that God had planned for me. All I knew was he said, get on a bus and go to Dallas. Now, my revisionist history is not going to be, I got on that bus, I put on some praise and worship music, and I, I, I worshiped, and the presence of God hit that bus like a glory boat. It's revisionist history. The bus driver got saved. Everybody in every seat got saved. I ran a revival at every stop we made, every smoke break we took. Somebody gave their life to Jesus Christ. Cancer sticks jumped out of the box. And in Jesus' name, I saw his glory from El Paso all the way through New Mexico. Don't it sound good? Don't it sound like a faith builder? That's not how it went. I got on that bus going, are you kidding me? I'm on a Greyhound bus? You want me to go where? For what? It was ridiculous. Right outside of uh, 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 Fort Worth, we were driving, and I was listening to some, to some music, and... Uh, 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 you know, on those buses, this gets cramped and crowded and all this stuff. And and I felt like a couple of knocks on the back of my head. So I thought somebody was in the seat behind me trying to, like, pull up so they can get up and go to the restroom or something. But then it was like this. And I'm like, I, mm-mm. that doesn't. So I get up and there's a guy in the seat behind me. Now, I have, I've been listening to music for like two hours. Nobody's been talking. This guy behind me had punched me three times in the back of the head. And when I stood up and asked him what the problem was, he goes, I, I, uh, uh, I, I heard you guys talking about me. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, what are you talking about? Uh, no, no, no. I heard you all plotting to take me down. I heard you. And, and, and you're not going to get with me. We can fight right now. 
And so I'm like, I, mm. I'm from California. This is not, mm-mm. I'm like, I'm not to my destination yet. I'm in a foreign land, same way Abraham was. And so I don't, I, I can't go to jail before I get to my uncle's house. It's just not part of the destination. So I went to the front of the bus and I said, um, hey, lady, can you pull the bus over? Because there's a guy back here. Like, if you don't stop the bus, it's going to be a fight. And so she pulled the bus over. And uh, two guys uh, that I had talked to on, on some of the stops, you know, Greyhound buses stop a lot. Oh, my goodness. For everything. Everywhere. Ooh. And so two guys that I had been talking to, they knew I was a believer or whatever. So they were like, hey, man, this guy hasn't hurt anybody. And, and do you want us to beat up this guy for you? I'm like, nope, not putting out hits on nobody either. I can't do that. So I got off the bus and um, uh, they isolated the man. And, and then the police came and uh, uh, took him off the bus. And actually, I think he's the one that wound up going to jail. Long story short, I get back on the bus and the Holy Spirit said, do you know who you were talking to. I said, no, he didn't give me his name. He said, that was a spirit. And that spirit knows that I assigned you to come here. And that was his first attempt of many to come, of, of, of him testing you to see if you would turn around and go back. When you start going, expect some spiritual attack. When you start moving in the direction of God's promise to you, expect some spiritual attack. It comes with the territory. It doesn't mean something's going wrong. It's usually an indication that something's going well. Because anytime there's drama, that means the enemy's either trying to block it, frustrate it, make you disqualify yourself from it. I could give you loads of testimonies about my first 24 months being here, my apartment getting broken into and, and, and stuff being stolen. And, and Listen, the enemy would try anything once you start going to make you turn around and go back. I remember when my apartment got broken into, uh, I was on the, on the balcony uh, talking to my dad. And my dad said, listen, man, you, you've been out there. You've been trying to uh, make it work. But if it's not working, man, just come home. And I was looking at a tree. Uh, I was on the second floor. My apartment's on the second floor. I was looking at a tree. And, and I said, Daddy, before I come home, there's a tree I'm looking at. I will sleep under that tree and wait for God's promise. Before I come back home and miss it. That doesn't mean I wasn't crying. That doesn't mean everything went rosy. Again, if you give the revisionist history of your faith story, you actually rob people from the encouragement they need to persevere when things get hard. If it was just I sold a thousand dollars and a million came back. Between that, before that million came back, didn't you have to borrow some money for gas? 
Before that million came back, didn't you have to crash on your friend's sofa? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Don't edit your testimony. And I'm going to tell you why you don't edit testimonies. Because the Bible didn't edit anything. If, 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 if the Bible was interested in, 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 in creating a pristine picture, the authors failed. <laughs> but since the author was God and the writers were 40 different men over 1500 year period, what we get is a real candid picture of God's faithfulness in humanity's ratchetness. Point number three. Live by faith. Hebrews chapter number nine. I mean, Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number nine. And when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. Would you say that with me? He lived there by faith. Again, he lived there by faith. One more time. He lived there by faith. Faith. Here's the thing. When you when God when you get your promise, you still have to live by faith. A lot of people think you get faith to leave, faith to go, but then when you get it, ah, I can hang out. No, no. You still have to live there by faith. Because remember, it has to start with God, be sustained by God, and end with God. If it starts with God, but then it has to be sustained by you. You're not going to get no sleep. If we planted this church, but I have to sustain it, burnout is coming. <laughs> if you started the business because God told you to start the business, but then you're going to take over the business and you know what's best to do, you're going to burn out. Once you arrive at the destination, you still have to live there by faith. Here's what I love about living by faith. It allows you to understand and keep your priorities straight as it relates to what God is telling you to do. Let me give you the the, the takeaway point I want you to write down. Uh, God requires me to live in his promise on earth without forgetting his promise in heaven. Please write that down. God requires me to live in his promise on earth without forgetting his promise in heaven. I never want to be so attached to any promise that God gives me here that I lose track of what God has promised me, which is eternal life with him. All this stuff that we have could disappear today and I will be a okay when I met Juliet when we were dating when we first got married when I first got married to my wife I didn't have a job for nine months that's depressing we had our date nights on Fridays at Wendy's two Texas double cheeseburgers one order of fries between the two of us What would you like to drink? Water. (laughs) And we parked in the parking lot of Wendy's. And that was our date. We had Wolf brand chili and rice. Success rice. Bull in the bag. 
Okay? Wolf brand chili. Mixed it up. Ate it. Amen. Amen. It's good. We're living by faith. God blesses us. We get promotions. We get some more money. We don't have to eat wolf brand chili and rice. Amen. The promise, though, is never going to be temporal things. The promise is always going to be the eternal thing. That's what it says in verse number 10. In verse number 10, uh, 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 it says, let me let me get back to it. I'm getting too excited. Okay, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. That's not Canaan. A city designed and built By God. He was happy to receive the promise that was here on earth, but he was more interested in the promise that comes with heaven. And all I'm saying to you is the encouragement I want to give to you is whatever God has promised you here, don't let it make you have amnesia to what's there. Because if you do, if anything ever changes, you will become so depressed over losing this little piece that you forget the promise that he's given us in heaven. Wherever you, wherever you are right now, live by faith. Got to remember, Abraham showed up to Canaan. It was still occupied by the Canaanites, so he, had, he just had to live there by faith. He was there, but, but he couldn't rest there yet. You, you might find yourself in the same season where you're like, God, I feel like I finally got to where you are, but, but I don't feel the peace or I don't feel that assurance yet. I don't feel like we have everything all together. Live there by faith. I started the company, but, but, but it's, it's, it's a grind right now. I'm putting in 60 hour work weeks. You're living by faith. I remember when I moved down here, uh, the first place uh, I lived was with my aunt and uncle. The second place I lived was with my two cousins. And they worked nights. I mean, I'm sorry. They worked days as nurses uh, and and I worked nights. That was rough. Because the only place I could sleep in in their two bedroom apartment was on the couch in the living room. And I would come home in the morning and get on the couch. And within 15 minutes of me getting on the couch, this is no lie. I can't make this up. TV clicked on. Good times, anytime you need a payment. Good time, anytime you need a friend. Good time. This was 1997. And my cousins are watching Good Times at 10 o'clock in the morning. I was in the promise. I was where God called me to be. But I was on a couch. Living by faith. I showed up to where God wanted me to be. But but I was making $23,000 an hour. I mean, an hour. Well, wait a minute. That sounds like a promise. Hold on, Tim. $23,000 a year, okay? What was I doing? I was living by faith. Whatever season you are in, he's calling some of y'all to leave. And listen, I said this to uh, uh, our group before we came out. Sometimes uh, uh, pastors and leaders teach or preach a message like this. But if it stirs someone in their own community to leave, then they get offended. Listen, 
I have no expectation that your season at Embassy City Church is supposed to be a forever season. So if this message is stirring or confirming something in you that you've been praying about, that it's time for you to move to that next season of your life and it doesn't include being here, I just want you to know that's God. You're not crazy. God may actually be speaking to you about leaving here. And I know you're thinking to yourself, this is the greatest church I've ever been in. But it's not the only church that he's assigned you to if there's more in you that he wants to do. So if you're supposed to be leaving, prepare to leave. If you're going, don't look back. Just don't even look back. And if he's calling you to live, whether you have a little or a lot, live by faith. So leave, go, live. Leave, go, live. Leave, go, live. Leave, go, live. This is going to be your mantra for the rest of the year. Leave, go, Gonna be talking to people at work, talking about leave. You're gonna go home and talk to your spouse, talking about leave. You're gonna be at the grocery store, talking about leave. You're gonna go back to school, talking about leave. Whichever space you find yourself in, be obedient to do what God has called you to do. Did you bow your heads and close your eyes? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? My prayer is uh, that you could hear his voice clearly. And that this type of message would guide you in the direction that God has for you for this season of your life. It is absolutely biblical to leave. (laughs) If not, Jesus would have never came down from heaven. He commands us to go. Or we never possess the promises that he's made to us. And he expects us to live. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? Which aspect, leave, go, or live, is he speaking to your heart about? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.